Attention Life Tips listeners, looking for better ways to become better, smarter, faster, and wiser? Well, listening to Life Tips is a great start, but how about if we gave you an easier way to listen? Introducing the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app, now available for iPhone and Android. Listen to Life Tips and even more programs that will help you build to a better health, wealth, and lifestyle. Download the WebmasterRadio.fm mobile app in the iTunes Store or in Google Play today. Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Lectures Show, everyone. Byron White here. I'm here. It is a great pleasure to be with um, Dr. Botkin. Welcome to the show, Dr. Botkin. Thank you very much. Nice to be on your program. Indeed. You wrote a, a book recently that we're happy to talk with you about today called The Moon in a Nautilus Shell. Tell us why you have engaged this 15th book of yours, or 16th, I guess I should say. Tell us a little bit about this particular book and what some of the goals and roles are. I've worked on the environment for many decades in several ways. I've done wilderness research. I've done all kinds of research as a scientist. And there's two main things about this book. One is we have to radically change how we view the environment if we're going to solve environmental problems. And second... We all have a personal connection to nature in two different ways. Um, as observers, that means scientifically, but also in an emotional, spiritual sense. And we seem to have lost our understanding of those, and we have to get back to both of them and to under, uh, understand each of their roles. So that's the two purposes of the book. And we're going to try to work this through today. If I could summarize that in my own layman's terms, it would be sort of helping us today talk about the transition of seeing ourselves, you know, outside of nature and therefore uh, harming it, you know, versus seeing ourselves as within and part of nature. Is, is that a fair summary of what we're going to talk about today and really what the book is all about? It's about that, and it's about the nature is dynamic and changing, not constant. And we tend to manage it and think about it as if it were constant. Ah, okay. All right, so let's go with some of the, the roots of, of uh, confusion and evil, which I like to bring back Al Gore into the picture. So, you know, m- much of us have felt uh, betrayed by this false sense of, of the, the, the global uh, world collapsing around us. Can you, can you paint the, the right picture for us? Are we in a situation now where we need to be more and more concerned about what harm we're doing to the environment? We're doing a lot of damage to the environment in a lot of ways, but we're not talking about those. The, uh, the entire public debate has been led by Al Gore. All we're talking about is climate change, and mostly what he says is he's gotten wrong. And so what we have to do is get back on track, get, uh, get to the problems what we have to be dealing with. And what you get out of Al Gore is that we're totally to blame for all environmental problems. That's not the case. We are only partially able to control nature and the environment. And so we have to focus on where we can have an effect and where we really are having effects. Tell us the top three. Well, first of all, I want to talk about the beautiful shot of, of Venice that you open your book with. It's spectacular. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. Yes. What, what is going on with Venice? We, we, we've heard, you know, what's the net net? Is Venice going to be underwater in five years? Where are we? 
You know, I did a project in Venice for three years, and I uh, really loved the city. Venice right now is basically a Disneyland. There's very few residents there, and it's mostly a show place. It used to be this major trade center, uh, and then it lost out when America was discovered, you know, when the New World was discovered. Uh-huh. And what's happening now? For the last 12,000 years, the, so the, we're living in a post-Ice Age time, so it's been warming for 12,000 years. And so the sea level's been rising about a foot a century, nothing to do with us. Uh-huh. And it's starting to have what they call high waters. Aqua Alta floods Venice in the winters, and they're trying to figure out what to do about it. Venice isn't going to disappear, but it's going to suffer more and more of these aqua altas. Have you done any studies of, uh, well, first of all, the, the history of Venice is, is quite fascinating, and I want to relate that to the Back Bay here in Boston. Um, but um, Venice was supposedly built on these trees that were sledged into the swampland, basically. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? And also, uh, do you know much about how the Boston Back Bay was uh, similarly built on these wooden pillars that are in the ground supporting the city? I could talk briefly about each of them. You know, the fascinating thing about Venice is that it was settled by people escaping the fall of the Roman Empire. They get to the swamp, and it's not very encouraging, and they have to make solid ground. So how do they do it? They dig, cut down small trees and bury them. So there's supposed to be a million trees, at least, making the foundation for Venice. And why I like that story is that shows we're deeply connected to nature in ways that doesn't don't come to mind to us uh. very much. Now, Back Bay is an interesting example because the great ar- landscape architect, uh, Frederick Law Olmsted, who designed Central Park, uh. also did the Back Bay. And he did it in a very intelligent, careful way to connect people with nature and to deal with flooding. And so it's very relevant, and it's very relevant considering Hurricane Sandy that people in New York had to deal with because Olmsted was way ahead of his time. He said, we need to deal with ocean flooding, but we're going to do it in a park. And so when it floods, that's okay. And otherwise, people can enjoy nature and get back in touch with nature. So that's, that's a really good example. Mm. Strangely enough, um, the uh, the enemy I've learned over the years in my very brief scientific uh, in quest for knowledge, the enemy for these sunken wooden pillars is in fact not water but air, as it turns out, right? Well, that's true. You know, the early settlers in the United States, they, uh, the pioneers and the pilgrims, what they did was they made uh, pump their water through wooden uh, piping underground, and as long as wood is underwater, it doesn't decay because there's not Uh not enough oxygen. It's decayed with little animals and bacteria, and they require oxygen. Uh It's it's an interesting twist here to the to the climate problems that are causing oceans to rise. Oh, you're I wanna... saying we should all be living under the under the mud. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe my skin would age less if I were mud <laughs> baths more often. It it would it would it would, but that isn't quite the answer. <laughs> and that goes back to mummies as well. The preservation. Okay, we can go on a roll here. I want your your point is a strong one, and I want to go back to it if I could. You know, are these these roots, no pun intended, being deeply are are the humans being deeply connected to nature? Can you give some examples to show the antithesis of how we have become disconnected with nature? Well, you know, yeah, 
our daily lives right now with all the social media, you know, when you're talking on your cell phone, listening to music, you are physically in one place, but your mind and spirit is somewhere else. Uh-huh. Whereas if you put yourself back, you know, way back to the hunter-gatherers, the pre-industrial uh-huh. people, they were living out, they had to be aware of nature all the time. And uh-huh. think about the American Indians. You had to be in contact. You had to really understand it. And so even if you just, when you li- live in a building that has air conditioning and heating, you don't have to think about nature, and you think you're totally independent on a, of it. But in fact, as the people living near, near the coast of New York found out, from Hurricane Sandy, when the electricity goes, you think the whole world is ended. You know, if you were a hunter-gatherer, you needed water, you went out and got it. Now, when the electricity is out, you have to rush down to the supermarket and buy it. So that's the kind of disconnect we have. I get it, and we're going to try to solve that after a station break, but I have a few more questions first. Tell me a little bit about your 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 overall assessment about about nature in general right now. Um, you know, you seem to have forces that are harming nature. We need to you know get after those and try to be uh, more aligned. But what about the forces that are that are happening in nature that are beyond our control? Can you enlighten us with 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 with, with what's happening with nature? If a, a summary position statement. Yeah, hard to do, I'm sure. But give it a okay, go. The environment, the environment is always changing. Every aspect of the environment's dynamic. The climate has always changed. We go back hundreds of thousands of years, millions of years. It's been cold and warm. We're at the end of an ice age, twelve thousand five hundred years ago. It's been a general warming trend since then. There've been cooling, like 1940 to 1960. The world cooled off. So <clears throat> we live on this planet it's a spaceship earth that we didn't design we didn't make and we don't understand very well so we can only affect it a little bit uh there's huge climate ocean cycles going on there's the plate tectonics and there's all of life that has a huge effect beyond us and so we can only affect it in some ways now we can do a lot of serious damage in particular places and that's what we have to focus on Hmm. What do we need to change most, in your opinion? Habits, behavior, our spirit, our philosophy, how much travel we do. What do we need to change in our lives to get more in tune with nature? Okay, we have to get nature into cities. We have to connect this, understand that we connect to nature in two ways. As observers, that's what we call scientists today, and then as we feel about nature. And nature is a mirror. Uh, in our, We see nature, we see ourselves in nature, and how we think about ourselves depends a lot about how we think about nature. And so you've got to get back into both kinds of contacts. That's the fundamental thing each of us need to do. The next thing is we have to understand the role of science. Um, uh, Al Gore and others have debased science and turned it into this morality play, this blame game. And we have to get away from that. We have to understand science for what it is and what it can do and not, <clears throat> not see it used for hidden political agendas. I mean, those are the two fundamental things about how we have to change our thinking. Third, or the third one I'd add is we've always got to understand that nature is always dynamic, always changing. 
And as long as we do that, those three things, then we can deal with the specifics. Good stuff, heavy stuff. Let's take a break, everyone. Back in just a minute. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Building better search engine rankings takes the right formula. Tracking those rankings is super simple. All you need is authoritylabs.com. Authority Labs uses automated daily rank tracking tools to monitor your site's performance or leverage their API to build your own tools. No matter what animal-labeled algorithms affect your ranking, you should be using Authority Labs. Unlimited users for no additional cost and white labeling can help keep your clients updated and save countless hours of creating reports. Whether you're running sites with just a few or millions of keywords, what you need is AuthorityLabs.com. Rise links and web indexes. Take a bow to the largest link map in the world. Majestic SEO. Majestic SEO wields its virtual sort with speed and accuracy to deliver detailed reports of your company's link data and that of your competition. Let Majestic SEO make you your own king of internet marketers and join the crusade of clients and agencies that have chosen the noble choice for link intelligence. MajesticSEO.com Maximize ROI to use your time and let Majestic wield its mighty sword. MajesticSEO.com It's good to be king. Oh yeah, my day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use CertifiedKnowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Back, everyone, with Dan Boken. Dan, pleasure, pleasure to have you on our show. Thanks for coming back. Byron, it's really nice talking with you, and I like the questions you asked. Terrific. So, Dan, let's get into some really interesting ideas here. I want you to expand your creative mind and 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 and, and, and give us some insights that you may uh, speak about in the book a little bit about how we can bring. What are good examples of how we can get in tune with with nature in our our living environments, in our homes, and our offices? How can we bring this into our lives? There's a lot going on, you know, and I'm living in New York City right now, and so there's a lot of things happening in New York that make a big difference. Uh, the, they took the old waterfront that was just an abandoned industrial area and turned it into a Hudson River Park. They've landscaped it beautifully. It's done in the style of Back Bay by descendants uh, of, of Frederick Law Olmsted, uh, you know, intellectual descendants. And so people can walk there and sit down and be in contact with trees and 
uh, <laughs> with birds, and they have a sense of connectedness. And then there's another development called the High Line, an old elevated railway that was just sitting there and that's been converted into a park. So you just go for a short walk and you connect directly with nature. Uh, then in your own home, you know, you can have plants, but there's a little bit of the kind of Japanese philosophy here. You know, we have the sense that if you're going to enjoy wilderness, you have to get way, way out, like a 100 miles from anybody. But in, there are Japanese gardens, you know, where they can sit and stare at some rocks and feel uh-huh. in contact with nature. So it's a, lo- a lot of it's very much a mental attitude and how you make connections with other living things. Hmm. Very interesting. I've, I've traveled extensively in Japan for about a month or so, and I can really relate, really relate to that that feeling you get. Particularly, I, I went on a tour of temples. So tra- we actually went to tw- forty different temples and got the signatures of the of the priest in each in each temple, and and went and viewed their Japanese garden. And I have to tell you, it was stunning. It it changed my life and my view of nature. Just looking at this these essentially patterns of rocks and the feeling you get and the ambiance really remarkable. Um, but my, my, my question is, is I want to be left on the show with like a punch list. Like, for example, there are, um, I, I, I was in, saw uh, someone get a, a book in my family um, that has um, a bird sounds and you, you, you open the book up and there are like hundreds of birds in this book and you press a button and it, has the sound of that bird that comes right at you with visual pictures and understandings. Is that an example of getting in tune with, with, with nature? Uh, you, you could do it that way, but you know, there's even a niftier way right now. Audubon Society has apps on an iPad and on an uh-huh. iPhone, uh, and you put in a bird, you can hear its sound, but you go outside and it will tell you, because it's got GPS, it'll tell you where that where a bird has been seen recently and you can add your observation of it to this link and so you know there's 40 i think there's 40 million bird watchers in the united states hmm. that's somebody something anybody can do and you know there's a lot of uh, birds now like uh, peregrine falcons starting to nest on the tops of buildings and there are webcams and people get really fascinated by it uh-huh. so you get one of these apps Use your, still using your social media and computers, you go outside, get an inexpensive pair of binoculars, and just start looking. And, of mm-hmm. course, you know, people that do sports fishing, uh, people that are active outside in many ways, I mean, you know, if you have people who are jogging and they jog in a nice park, say, along the Charles River or something, you can start to try to feel your connection to your surroundings, not just focus on what your heart rate is, but try to feel how things are around you. And Mm -hmm. then you start to observe things. That's where it gets really interesting. When you feel connected to nature, you start to observe it. Now, Henry David Thoreau, who, you know, grew up and lived in Concord, he figured it out. He was a very good scientist, but he also had this deep spiritual connection to nature. And he understood the separation between the two and the importance of the two. I mean, he would go out ice skating in the middle of the winter and listen to the booming of the, of the ice and laugh and have a good time. So one of the main things is have a good time. <laughs> Enjoy nature. Connect with it. Go walk in Back Bay. Uh, take your time to do that. But do it slowly. Uh, you know, sit and look at it. And then you get interested in something specific, 
and you start to learn about it. So you start watching birds yourself. Then you start to connect to nature. There's another thing going on that's very important. It's called citizen science, and that's to get citizens involved in actually helping with scientific work that needs to be done, like monitoring mm-hmm. pollutants, counting the birds, and that gets you to both kinds of connections. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's really sense. And that, importantly, that connects what you just did there, particularly talking about apps and, and wonderful things. That's connecting technology and harnessing the power of technology uh, you know, to, to connect yourself with nature. Are there other examples with the, the surrounding apps or, or technology uh, that, that are favorites of yours that, that, that would, would tune people into this connection we're looking for? Well, actually, they can go on one of my websites, www.nature.com. O-R-G, and I developed a computer model of forests, and uh, they can download it, use it for a month free, and grow a little forest on their computer and get a sense for how dynamic nature is. That's a, a, it's not a, it, it doesn't run on iPads. It runs on a PC, but that's one thing you can do. And also the uh, Audubon Guide, they have an, an app for every kind of animal and plant. Uh, yeah, mushrooms, so you can get connected with that. Huh. And mushrooms, by the way, are a wonderful hobby to grow on on logs. So I've learned. Um, I've seen these <laughs> mushrooms. Back the logs. That's exactly. right. You know, a lot of the Japanese uh, and the Chinese uh, mushrooms used in food are the ones that grow on on uh, logs on trees. Right. And they have they have farms that are just sections of trees mm-hmm. that are watered all the time, and they mm-hmm. collect the Mushrooms. Now, that's a way to get connected to nature. Mm-hmm. You can mm-hmm. do that. Now, that brings us back to Venice. You can go walk in the mud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, the Venetian Lagoon has wonderful wildlife. And you go to Venice, you can take a boat ride and connect both to this wonderful city and to its nature. In in winding down here, there's so much. Isn't there... I mean, I, I like... You, where you're going with spiritually aligning yourself and getting in tune. And I just love what you have to say about, you know, become a scientist, explore, you know, get in tune with this and, and use your interest in science and make a difference and make a change. But I want to get to that last point, making a difference and making a change, right? Don't you yes. contend in the end of the day, we do need to change our patterns. We do need to change our habits. We need to be more cognizant of nature and in in our destruction, but it's changing habits. Don't you think? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I go into this in considerable detail in my new book, The Moon and the Nautilus Shell, and I have another book called Power in the Future about using energy. So, sure, there's a lot of things we're doing. Like when we travel in airplanes, we bring in inadvertently exotic species from other parts of the world, and they're having a tremendous negative effect. Right now, there's a disease of of citrus plants, orange, you know, lemons, grapefruit, uh-huh. brought in from China that is threatening the entire citrus industry of the United States. Uh-huh. So that's one thing. We're destroying habitats around the world, and you want to be active in protecting forests. Now, living in Boston, you must be well aware of the fisheries, and most fisheries in the world are over-harvest and not managed well. They're managed from the idea that left alone, they'll achieve a constant population. They'll be part of this balanced nature uh-huh. idea, which I write about in, in the Nautilus Shell. And uh-huh. <clears throat> so we have to change how we manage fisheries. And so, uh, yes, we're having 
huge effects on the environment, especially these here and now problems day to day. And that's where citizens can get involved. We're still uh, doing a lot of air and water pollution. And what's amazing is how much of it that needs to be monitored and measured isn't being done. That's where there's a definite role for scientists, uh, mm-hmm. for, for the citizen science. But mm-hmm. yeah, we, we've had a lot of negative effects. We are still having them. But there are some success stories, and there are positive things we can do. And But we need to look carefully. And I go into this in much better detail in my book. So, you know, I, in fact, I have a whole prescription at the end of the book of actions we need to take, uh, recommendations for the president, and what the different departments of government can do and what individual citizens can do. Wow. Well, let's put this knowledge to work. It's really been a pleasure having you on the show today. Well, I've enjoyed it very much, too. So thanks very much for having me. Yes, indeed. Um, I'm here with Dr. Bakken. The book um, you need to uh, immediately go purchase if you're listening in, The Moon and Nautilus Shell. And um, it looks like there was a site you mentioned, um, nature.org, uh, by the and way. And also I have uh, danbotkin.com. Dan Got it. W- yeah, that's, that one they'll like, too. That's <clears throat> full of these ideas. D-A-N-B-O-T-K-I-N.com, everyone. Um, exactly. And nature.org, you're part of nature.org, the Nature yep, Conservatory? that's right. Well, that no, that's you? my own organization. That's me. Wow. <laughs> yes, I'm, not, I'm not the Nature Conservancy. That's just me. Right. Got it. Got it. N-A-T-U-R-E dot org, correct? Exactly, exactly. Got it. Okay, wow, very exciting. Um, and one more quick question. I mean, don't you think that technology in the end of the day will, will really be a, a, an important motivator for change as we, as we progress? Oh, yeah. Well, it already is. And it already so, is, yeah. so much that it can do, especially solar and wind energy are really uh-huh. benign. And yep. a lot of the electronics are helping us. So, yeah, we just have to focus on the problems and think about solutions. But technology right. can be a great aid. Absolutely. Getting, getting in tune with nature all the way. Have you heard, by the way, there's some interesting um, – one more question. Again, I'm a curious cat. I could go on all That's afternoon. Fine. I wish we had more time. Um, I was very interested in, in some of the new uh, metering measurements for homes and or businesses that are happening right now. I'm not sure if you had heard anything in that space. Um, but there's an app, for example, where there's a company in Massachusetts that's looking for funding, I think, and they'll go in and they'll do an audit in your house. They'll walk around all your outlets and quickly determine where all this electricity is being churned in your home. Uh, you might have like a big power strip turned in with, you know, TV, uh, you know, stereo equipment that's just sucking energy out without even you knowing it. Um, but isn't there a tremendous amount of waste um, going on in, in homes particularly? And there, wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. that technology quickly get you in tune with that? How, how quickly do you think we'll, oh, we'll yeah. see well, solutions like that? There, there are systems like that. For example, some of the major solar energy companies, if you have a solar system put on your house, mm-hmm. you can have a, a, a monitoring system tells you how much electricity your, your house is generating, how much mm-hmm. you're using, and you can read it on your iPhone. It is an mm-hmm. app, you, wherever you are. And then in terms of that kind of assessment, my daughter lives in San Francisco, and uh, it gets very chilly there. And so they had an uh, overall heat energy audit. Rather than just say, oh, I'm going to buy double-pane windows or I'm going to uh-huh. change my furnace, you've got this guy come in, 
And he uses the kind of electronic instruments that you're talking about. And he also uses a lot of his observational knowledge, you know, that he's learned. And he makes an assessment. And with my daughter's case, he said, you know, you don't have to spend the money on the windows. You've got so many leaks, air leaks directly to the outside. That's what you have to plug up. So, yeah, um, Interesting. there's a lot to be done. But also in Boston, where you have MIT and Harvard and uh-huh. you know, all the other universities, this is a great opportunity for engineering students, for other people. Just start thinking, how can I start applying all these devices? I mean, the GPS is so amazing. Uh-huh. What can be done on your iPad or your iPhone is that you could go out and measure specific things in your home yourself and it could be transmitted to a company somewhere. Uh, or, you know, you can broaden this. You can go, that's where the citizen science comes in. But, yeah, there's lots of opportunity only beginning to be explored. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, uh, once again, a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks very much for being here. Thank you for having me. Good talk. Pleasure. The book is The Moon and the Nautilus Shell. The author is Dr. Botkin. Pleasure having you. Until next week, everyone, I hope your life's a little smarter, better, and wiser, and much more in tune with nature. Thanks for listening, and everyone. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.